who else is around you. And let God move. Let God move. Praise God. We're in Romans, the book of Romans, and we're in chapter 8, starting in verse 5 this morning. If you remember last week when we were, in, we were talking for a few minutes there in Romans, and I thank you. I know last week was a long service. And I appreciate you hanging in with me last week. But last week we said, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God. And I hope that whoever was here for that, received that, took it with you this week. And every time that condemnation and those things came up in your mind. So sometimes it's just the devil that's just messing with you. You don't even hear anybody else. It's just that he gets in your mind a little bit and just starts messing with you. But I pray that the Lord's used that scripture uh, there for you last week. This week we're starting in chapter 8, verse 5 through 8. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death. So to be fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For the carnal mind is hostile toward God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. And, for, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So we're talking, when we, when we go through Romans, one thing he deals with, right, in the first few chapters, he really deals with the law. And still, when you, when you think about the law and keeping the law and how do I keep the law, there's only one way to try to keep the law, and that's through your flesh, right? That's the only way to try to keep it, but you can't. And when you, when you live according to the flesh instead of according to the Spirit, it leads to death. The, the Scripture said to be carnally minded, fleshly minded is death. But if you live by the Spirit, you have life and peace. You're going through some struggles in your life, and you go, how can I ever get peace in this? You have fear in your life. How can I get peace in this? You, you, you were worried about this. You're worried about that. That's living in the flesh. Living in the Spirit is allowing the Holy Spirit to be inside of you and understanding that, yes, I live in a fallen body, I live in a fallen world, and a lot of bad things are happening around me. But when the Spirit of God is in me, I have life and I can have peace. One of the great examples that I have told you before is a number of years ago, I think it was back about 2014, 2015, maybe somewhere around there, we had a group of Coptic Christian men I think there were 11 or 12 of them. Uh, or there was a, a large number of them. And ISIS took them out and, and put them in those, those orange jumpsuits and they cut their heads off in front of, uh, in front of the TVs. And, and, and the, the great thing about that is if you were that person's spouse, right? Ladies, if you were their spouse, it would be so hard to go on with life. You'd say, my husband's been taken from me. Husbands, if it was your wife, you'd probably be going, my, my wife has been taken from me. Girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever you are out there, you'd be really upset. But the amazing thing was that these women, these wives, they said, you know what? We forgive them and we pray that they will come to salvation through Jesus Christ. And how were they able to do that? Because they weren't living by the flesh, they were living by the Spirit and through the Spirit. That's the only way they can have that kind of peace and believe in that kind of forgiveness and believe in life is by living through the flesh. And you may be dealing with somebody like that in your life and they've 
you know, they've done something really bad to you, and you're like, how can I be at peace with this person? You can be at peace with that person through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, because when the Spirit is in you, then peace can be in, in you too. Also, the carnal mind, the fleshly mind is hostile with God. You go, well, you know, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just worried. No, listen, you don't need to be worried. You don't need to be concerned about those things. Why? The scripture says there's enough things to worry about today. Don't be worried about the other things about tomorrow. But the thing is, is when we live in the spirit and we walk in the spirit and by the spirit, then we begin to understand that he is taking care of it and he's taking control of it. And we see later in Romans chapter 8, it says that all things work together for good to those that love God to those that have been called according to his purpose. So we need to live by the Spirit. It's difficult to do because we are trained today in the world. We're trained today in church. You know, pastors are trained to live in the flesh. You go, what? Yeah, pastors are trained when you start a church to live in the flesh. They don't say, hey, come in, pastors, and and get on your knees before God and pray and seek the Father. They don't say go out and lead people to Christ. They say, no, here's a list of worldly fleshly things to do to get people to come to your church to grow your church into something magnificent matter of fact many churches many churches what they want to do to try to draw people in is play music that is not god godly music no christian lyrics to it nothing that worships god as a matter of fact it's music that is played by other people who are drug addicts and drunks and got all kinds of issues and the songs are bad and then they want to come into church and they say hey let's make them feel comfortable let's play secular music during our worship service i don't know about you that just seems about stupid to me (laughs) now i'm not against what lee does over here lee lee likes some of these bands and these sounds but he says you know what i'm going to write my own music and i'm going to write music that is glorifying to god i'm going to write music that is good. That, that's fine. And I'm not saying that, that all music that doesn't lift up God is bad. What I'm saying is, why would you come into a worship service, a worship service, and sing music that's not lifting up the Lord? That is just seems just really weird, right? You know, I'm going to go in the car wash to get a hamburger, huh? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. I think I'm going to go down to David's Burgers if I'm going to get a hamburger, If I go to the car wash, I expect a car wash. When we come into worship, we should expect worship. But this is the thing, is we we say, hey, you know what? We can can see growth in the church. We can see numerical growth in the church. I can see things happen in my life if I will just live according to the flesh. I'm sure over here, we've got Will starting his new business up, and he's saying, Jesus, give me wisdom. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Show me how to do this. I want to glorify you in everything that I do. And and, and the business world would just tell him, no, 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 no. Let me show you how to do this. Let me tell you, as a matter of fact, we'll cut some corners. You don't have to be truly honest with people. You know, you can do this. You can do that. You can, you know, just lie just a little bit about this, that, and the other. There's some things, and you can grow yourself a business. But instead, he's saying, no, I want to be a witness to, uh, of Christ and, and for Christ through my, through my business. He says, I want to stay out of the carnal and, and out of the flesh, and I want to live by the Spirit in everything that I do. And it says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When you're in the flesh, you know, you can say, oh, man, no, you're pleasing yourself. You can please yourself in the flesh. You can't please God in the flesh. 
You have to be living according to the Spirit. And you have to have the Spirit of God living inside of you. Now, moving on to verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, if any man does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. I want to say this. You go, oh, I made some mistakes. We've talked about this, but you may have not been here before, or maybe you didn't get it that day, or maybe you forgot it since we talked about it. You go, I make some mistakes. That means I'm living in the flesh. No, if Jesus is inside of you, the Spirit is inside of you. Okay? We have grace. Well, we talked about grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. We have that grace because Jesus died on the cross. We are able to live. We are able to have him inside of us. And he's the one who cleans us up because let me tell you something. All of us are rotten, dirty, filthy rags when it comes to salvation. It is only Jesus. He's the bleach that makes it white. No, no, really. You know, he takes that black sin and he turns, turns that, that blackness and he says, no, I'm washing you over with my blood. And somehow another black with, with red blood washed over it turns you white as snow. Why is that? Because it's the grace of God. He does it. If you're in the, in, in this, in, if Jesus is inside of you, if Christ is inside of you, then you don't live in the flesh. Now, if the Spirit is not in you, he says, if you do not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So you don't belong to him. And you say, I'm, I'm going to get to heaven on, on the things that I've done. I've done some good things. Let me tell you, you can be the, the best person in the world. You can be a multi-billionaire and give it all away and still not make it to heaven. Okay? If you don't have the Spirit of Christ living in you. You know, there, there's a, a, a story that's taken totally out of context. A rich young ruler comes to Jesus. He says, he says good master. He says, good master, what should I do to, to, to uh, have eternal life? And he said, well, you need to keep the commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. I, I just condensed it all down. Uh, that's the Ten Commandments condensed down into two. Love God and love your neighbors. And he goes, oh, I've done all that. He says, well, now go give everything that you have away. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And he went away sad because he had a lot. And people take that out of context, and they say, oh, so I'm supposed to go and give everything away. That's the way I get to heaven. No, no, no. you got to love God. Love your neighbor. Don't let those possessions control you. And follow Jesus. There's four things that happened in that story right there. Not just one. And so we, we hear that taken out of context. We hear that especially in politics. They love to use that verse of why the government should be giving everybody stuff, right? Oh, see, we're supposed to give it to the poor. No, that's taken out of context. Four things that happened there that Jesus said, this is what you have to do to, to make it to heaven. So if you say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be good enough. If you don't have Jesus living inside of you, if you have not surrendered your life to the Lord, if your family member has not surrendered their life to the Lord, don't go around lying to them or lying to yourself saying, well, they're a good person, they're going to make it to heaven. If Jesus doesn't live in them, then they do not belong to him. He says, and if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin. And what did I say a minute ago? You are a sinner, you are filthy, you are dirty, your body is going to die. There was a curse that was put on your body before you were ever born. As soon as you were born, you were dying. You know what I'm saying? That's just all there is to it. At any moment, the Lord can take you just like that. It doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter what health you are. I've heard of people, you know, there was a runner just, uh, I don't know, last year. The guy was in great shape, ate healthy, did everything he was supposed to. He lived just like Connie, you know, ate all the right, took all the right supplements, ate healthy, everything, and he still died. And I'm not saying don't eat healthy. I'm not saying don't do those things. What I'm saying is it doesn't matter how healthy you are. 
You can be taken at any time. Your body is already cursed. It's already dead. You're, it, it's just going to happen. You have to have Christ in you. So the, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. The spirit is alive in you because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that lives in you. How do you live in a dead body? How do you live eternally? If, if Jesus has saved you and his spirit is living inside of you, the same spirit, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. He takes your fleshly body and he says, when I live in you, one day you will live in eternity with me forever. This is amazing. You're going through a lot of things. You're going through life and you haven't given your life to Jesus. You need to give your life to Jesus. You cannot, you cannot live without Jesus. You cannot have life without Jesus living inside of you. You know, we go around and we sing Amazing Grace. We sing it when somebody dies. It's amazing. We sing it at people's funerals who have died and went to hell because they didn't have Jesus. But the song says it was amazing because it saved a wretch like me. Once was lost, but now I'm, I'm found. Was, was blind, but now I see. What is the song about? It's, about? it's about you. It's about the person saying, I have committed my life to Christ. I have, I have decided to turn away from from living my fleshly life, living that carnal, fleshly life, and I've decided to turn towards Jesus, and I've decided to let him live in me. Now, let me tell you something. You say, okay, I've got grace in my life. I can do whatever I want to. That's bogus. That's not true. I heard a guy on the radio one day. He said, oh, if you're still living in, in drunkenness, and, and you've got Jesus, it's not, it's, you're fine, The spirit, because you've got Jesus inside of you. The drunkenness, that's just your flesh acting out. Let me tell you something. If Jesus is inside of you, you're going to want to act and you're going to live like Jesus. And if you're going through a struggle and you have, you're being tempted by something, don't walk it alone. Find somebody. Find somebody in this church. Find a man if you're a man. If, a woman, if you're a woman, find another woman that you can trust in. Like I've told you before, find me or find Christy. We'll be there for you. But find somebody and say, I am struggling in this area I cannot walk this out by myself. I need your help. I need your accountability. I need you praying with me. I need you telling me what the Word of God says. I need you encouraging me and strengthening me through, through this and help me get to where I need to be. Don't walk it out alone. And don't think that you could just live a life of sin and get to heaven. The Word of God says, and we've said it before in this series already, that there are going to be people that get to heaven and they're going to say, Lord, we've done all these amazing things in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity or workers of lawlessness, as some translations put it. Depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. So don't go through life saying, oh, I can, I can go to church and I can look good, I can smell good, I can sound good, I can wear a three-piece suit with a tie on it. I, I can sing on the platform. I can do all this stuff. I think I've told this story before about a woman who played, since she was a, a young person, played the piano at church. Played the piano at church and one day an evangelist. And if you don't know what an evangelist is, an evangelist is somebody who comes in. Uh, the term is they blow up, blow out, blow up, blow in, blow out. Blow in, blow up, blow out. I'll get it right. Blow in, blow up, blow out. They're, they tell you stuff that the preacher doesn't want to have to tell you, right? Because they don't have to clean up the mess after they leave. 
But what an evangelist does is they come in and they preach what the Lord has put on their heart for you, for that church during that specific time. Giving you an opportunity to repent, giving you an opportunity to do whatever God is speaking, and they leave. But this evangelist came to church where this woman was. And she's playing the piano, and she was in her 60s, I think is her age. And she's playing this piano, and she came down to the altar, a salvation call to the altar. Do you need Jesus? Come. Step out. Step forward. Give your life to the Lord. And she gave the testimony later that she had been in that church for all these years and played the piano for all these years, but she had never given her life to the Lord. She is one of those people that if she had died and went to heaven and, and, and it was standing there that the Lord would have said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Yes, you did great things in church, but I never knew you. You've got to let the Lord live in your life. Verse 12 says, Therefore, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if through the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That's a scripture backing up what I just said. You've got to put to death the deeds of the body. The things that are entangling you, put them to death. Find somebody to help you put those to death if you can't do it on your own. If you can't do it on your own. Keep on continuing there. And verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This is getting good, folks. For you have not received the spirit of slavery, again, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be glorified with him. Now, here's the deal. Many of us, do not understand that scripture where it says that we are joint heirs with Christ, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. But you need to go back a couple of scriptures there where it starts out and it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, when you... When you accept the Lord and receive the Lord into your life as your Savior, and you surrender all to him and say, Lord, take me, I am a filthy sinner, and I need you. When you do that, you become adopted. You become a son of God. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, let's read that real quick. It goes right along with this. Well, I think I had it in there. My John? Yet all who received him, let's do John 1, 12 through 13. I forgot that verse. Yet all, to all who received him, he gave the power to become sons of God. To those who believed his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. So to all who received him, he gave the power to become sons of God to those who believed in his name. When, when the scriptures talk about sons of God, when you look back through every opportunity it talks about sons of God, it means that the Lord made, made. The, the angels have been referred to at times as sons of God, uh, Adam and different ones as sons of God. God made them sons of God, okay? 
It's something that's made. When you get saved and Jesus comes in you, you no longer have the old heart and the old body. There's a reason that we have baptism in water. One of the reasons is to show that we have buried the old and the new is here. Okay, so uh, baptism in water does not save you. It just shows what has went on. So when you become saved, when you receive Jesus into your life, what happens? Your heart is made fresh and new. It is no longer the same. God makes it new. There's this idea that we can, that, well, it's just the same old, same old. We just poured something over the top of it. No, God makes it new. He makes us sons and daughters of God. He makes that, makes us that. So, my scripture's back where I was at here. So he says, For you've received not the spirit of slavery again to fear, but the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What does Abba mean? It means Father. All right, just to let you know. <laughs> we could say Father, Father here. It's just an endearment. It's just an endearment. It's just saying, this is, my, this is my Father. It's not, this is a Father. This is my Father. God is my Father. So I told you this a little bit last week, but I want to hit this again and help you understand this. When, I always tell you, when you read scriptures, read them in context so you're not conned by the text. Read them in context so you're not conned by the text. Because many people, and Mike and I were talking about this Wednesday night, I think it was, many people like to take one scripture verse out, and they like to throw it up there and preach all that they believe just off that one scripture verse. Instead of taking the scripture and putting it in context and saying, no, actually, this is what it means. Now, one of the ways we do this is that we need to look at the customs and manners of the day that these writers are writing them to help understand. If you wrote something today, for instance, and you said, I watched this on Fox, da-da-da-da-da, and then, right, I watched this on Fox. If you went back 2,000 years and you said, Yes, I watched the documentary about Paul on Fox. Those people would be going, what does a fox have to do with Paul? And how do you watch something on a fox? This doesn't make any sense. You know, so put everything in context, all right? In, in, in the context of, of the way that they were writing back then and how the hearers were hearing it. So when we talk about adoption, when Paul's talking about adoption, back then... The Romans, you were, you were born, right? Lee, Lee has a child, has a son, he's born, he is Lee's son. Today we would say he's Lee's son, he's heirs, he is the heir of Lee, right? He's going to receive everything that Lee has when Lee goes, goes on and out of this world. But back then, that was not the case. When you were born, yes, you were born. Yes, you had a dad. And that dad, you know, Lee and he has a son, and his son, yeah, okay, so yeah, there is that. But he wasn't an heir. He didn't receive that. What would go on is there would be training, there would be schooling, there would be other things that went on in this person's life, in this child's life, and the son would be adopted by the parents. And when you were adopted, you were then heir to the parent, to that, to that father, all right, you had that father's name, you had the backing of that father. If that father died, you received what he had, okay? So it's a little bit different than maybe what we, we say today. If you adopted somebody today, 
there's all kinds of ways you can adopt a person and what they can really receive from you it could be different but back then it was important when you got adopted it was huge it was something very important so when we say that we have received the spirit of adoption by who we now can call him our father he is our father and here's what's interesting before that he says not a spirit of slavery if you didn't have a father if you didn't have that person that adopted you, you could end up in slavery because you weren't attached to anybody, okay? And so we don't have to be afraid of living for the Lord as slaves. Anybody ever heard that God is looking down and watching every move and he's going to knock you over the head or he's just, well, there we go, there we go. Roger made a mistake. Got it down right here, Roger. I'll just put it right over here. Oh, there's another mistake, Roger. There's a, no, no, no. When we are adopted, nobody can take that adoption away from us. When you have Jesus in your life, nobody can take that away. When you have gotten saved, when you have been justified, there's probably a better word in this, justified, and and you're walking this spiritual life, nobody can take it away from you. Nobody can come up to you and say, you're not good enough. What did I say last week? Of course I'm not good enough, but Jesus is good enough. Nobody's good enough. Nobody, when you're adopted, nobody can take that away from you. You made a mistake, get up and keep on going. Get up and keep on going. Because God is still your father. God still loves you. God is still there for you. He is your father. He is the father of all fathers. Okay? He is the father of all fathers. And I don't know if I've got this scripture verse on here. I don't know what this next scripture is. Let's see if we have it here. Oh, I do have it. Great. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Just had to get them in right order here. It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and who, who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a snake. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What's this scripture? I mean, we use this scripture a lot, okay? When we were asking and we're we're wanting something from the Lord, we use this scripture that God's going to give us good stuff. But what is this, what am I trying to make a point with this scripture this morning as we're talking about being adopted by God? Is that this father that we have, what does he say there? It says, if you then, me, you, being evil, how, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will our father, God in heaven, give good things to those who ask? That's the kind of father he is. He is not the guy that's writing everything down and waiting for you to make a mistake. He's not the one going, up, oh, kicked him out of heaven because, he, you know, he, yep, no, he did that. Well, he's going to have to go get saved again. And we've had this teaching for years and years that every time you did something wrong, oh, my goodness, I can't wait till I get back to church so I can go down the altar to get saved again. Let me tell you something. You only got to be saved once. Right. One time. Stop living in the fear That's what slaves do. They live in fear of the master. Start living in the love of the father. Start believing and going, oh, man, man, God, 
I made a mistake, but thank goodness, just as the parable w- was, where the, where the young man took his inheritance, and he left, and then he comes back, and the father, the father came out to see him, saw him from a long ways off. That's God. He's looking. He's going, oh, there's my son. He's coming. I know he made a few mistakes, but he's coming. Man, I just can't wait to put my arms around him. I can't wait to love on him and be there for him or her. When I say him, I apologize. I'm talking about him or her, okay? <laughs> we, are, we, we are neutral here. God is doing it for everyone. He is a father of all fathers. The scripture says, again, if you're evil and you give good gifts, why would our Father in heaven not give good things to those who ask. That's the kind of father he is. So we no longer have to be a slave to fear. Fear in that we've done something. That's what the devil, let me tell you something. If you're serving the devil, that's when you need to be fearful, okay? Because let me tell you something. The devil will go back on his word every time. He tells you, oh, you can do this. You'll be okay. Oh, I'll help you out on that. No, the devil will go back. When When the flesh comes up, and you have people coming to you in the flesh saying, oh, you should do this and you should do that. And yeah, it's okay. You, you, you can get away with it. It's not going to be a big deal. Oh, that's fine, you know. Um, you haven't had a drink in how long? Oh, no, don't worry about it. Come on, have a drink. Just, oh, just two, two, three. Come hang out with us. I was talking to a young lady the other day, and she says, oh, it's the second time I've been to a bar. And she said, I never, uh, never, 21 years old, she said, I never even thought much about it. But my friends are like, come on, have fun. You can come and have fun with us go to this bar, and she's like, eh, it's a little, you know, it's pretty packed, and it's not what I envisioned, you know, and everything, and uh, got to talking to her. She has a really heart for, for, uh, for the foster children, and I thought that was really neat, so we just got to talking. I exchanged information with her. I told her, you know, just, I didn't talk to her about Jesus specifically, but I let her know as a pastor, exchanged some information with her, I said, I'd love to help you get in more into this fostering thing. I, I know some people, and I'd love to help you get connected. I said, send me, you know, when you get a chance, send me your information. And so all I, what, what are you doing, Pastor? I'm just trying to build a relationship with this young lady. Maybe I can help her find what she's looking for in that, but what she's really looking for, man, I can feel the Spirit of God in that, in, in that car. What she's really looking for, she's looking, and she probably doesn't realize it, but she's yearning and looking for somebody that she can grab a hold of that father that would love her and be there for her. Now, I don't know what her father's like. Maybe he's a good guy, but I'm talking about an earthly father that gives good things when we ask, that he's there for us, that he sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins. That's the kind of father that I'm looking for this morning. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to hold off getting into this next part because this next part will take a little bit. But he says, <clears throat> let's finish up this, the heirs and heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. So, when you are saved, you have been adopted as sons of God. You are heirs and join heirs with Christ. Isn't that pretty neat? Isn't that pretty amazing? That you get to receive the glorious riches of God because you are joint heirs with Christ. This is amazing. You aren't, you, you, aren't, you aren't just another person. You aren't just somebody who's, just, oh, I'm going to go to heaven, I'm going to sit back. No, you get to receive the same things. And that's why the scriptures tell, tell us all the things that we can receive and all the things that we can expect. Because if Jesus could expect it, think of all the things that he did while he was on this earth. We can expect 
the same thing. So we are joint heirs with Christ. But it says, if we indeed suffer with him, that we may also be glorified. And so what I want you to hold on to is this last, what we would call B, the last half of this verse. We're going to take this up next week, God willing, the creek don't rise. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified in him. And I want you to just to chew on that this week, because we're going to talk about that next week, suffering with 